1: Welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Ben Aiton, and Mike Duffy. And we are back this evening to give you a preview of Watford's upcoming game in the Skybet Championship away to Huddersfield Town on Saturday. Um, Watford went to Huddersfield last year and was 2-0 winners um, away from home. Joe Pedro getting the goals. Um, this time out, we're looking to try and extend our five uh, four-game unbeaten game run to five. Um, but with me is Mike Duffy, and we've also got a um, guest joining us today as well, um, Cozzy from Verm, Um And They Take That Chance podcast um, will be joining us very shortly. But Mike, how are you doing, mate? You all good on your end?
0: Very good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a real turn of fortunes, isn't it? You know, it's... Uh, I seem to remember a couple of weeks ago, we were all doom and gloom, and, you know, we, we managed to... Stop the rot by drawing away at Cardiff, and you know, things were maybe looking a little bit rosier. And then all of a sudden, two wins since the draw at Cardiff, and then a draw on Saturday against Millwall. And like you say, we're looking to make it five unbeaten. And no disrespect to the two teams we've got coming up, but you'd like to think that on our day we can pick up six points. And look, that'd be absolutely huge, that would considering where we were a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, everything's uh everything's all good mate what about yourself
1: yeah it does seem a little bit rosier doesn't it for Watford mm. um yeah yeah I'm, I'm good I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back doing some podcasting um again yeah. I, I was off for a couple of weeks I've had some issues going on in my personal life um well, it's not personal life with myself, really. Um, mm. I don't want to go into it too much, but I was struggling mentally and I'm much better now and better positioned. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to be back on the podcast. It was unfortunate that I had to pull out of the Swansea game the day before, uh, which was so disappointing as well. And it was just bloody typical. We went there and picked up our first win away from home since January, 295 days. It was. And I had my ticket. I just couldn't attend because of what was going on. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. But luckily the boys brought it home and it was a fantastic um, performance that night. Mike, I know you went as well, but since then, um, Watford have picked up um, a point at home to Millwall as well. So they're, they're, Four games unbeaten, and like you say, it's it's a lot rosier from when we've really spoken lately about Watford. Like I know we recorded that podcast in the pub. Um, mm. I, I don't think many other pubs might let us in because that was actually their last night of trading, wasn't it, Um <laughs> uh, So we, we've got a good old record. But um, <laughs> w- we beat Sheffield Wednesday that 1-0 one, eight, uh, one nil that evening as well um, where we was recording and was talking about how you need to get on to the next game and build that momentum, build up consistency. And it's about getting back to back wins and Watford have obviously done that with Sheffield Wednesday and, and um, Swansea. But then I say it's a, it, it's still a good point against Millwall. Mm. I, I know it's, we came from behind and we should have probably won that game anyway, because it was two defences areas that let us down. But, it's foundations to build on, isn't it, Mike, at the moment? Because confidence must be high. It's four games without a defeat. We've picked up, um, what's it, eight points now out of a possible 12. We go to Huddersfield Saturday and they're, they're, they're struggling at the moment. They're, they're not doing well under Darren Moore. I think it's one win in seven. Um, mm. So it's another great opportunity for Watford to, to kick on again and keep that momentum going.
0: Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head, to be honest, Ben, last week on the podcast that I did after the Millwall game with Katie and Cam. That message is sent into our group chat saying it, it's slowly looking like there's this squad's got a bit of character and a bit of fight about them. Like last season, we all know when that goal goes in to make it 2 1 to Millwall, we're losing that. You know, that third one goes in where Healy um, has his Passetto moment and he, he heads it on the bar. But, you know, Last season, we don't get look like that. We don't get the rub of the green and, and we go on and lose that 3-1. And then maybe if that goal goes in 4-1, it, 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 everyone knew that last season we'd have lost that. So maybe there is a bit of fight, a bit of character about the team. And yeah, you know, Watford don't make things easy for himself. As you say, rightly point out there, Huddersfield have won one game in seven. And I was actually listening to our guest who, who's coming on tonight um that's if he does come on uh i'm anxiously what looking in the waiting room I, if he doesn't i'll hold my hands up because i was meant to send the link to him um a couple of days ago and only did it like about 20 minutes before we started recording but um i was listening to him on do not scratch your eyes podcast and you know what for fan, what for fans think we've got problems like huddersfield it just sounds so toxic and you know, without sounding like a twat, we need to go there and we need to take advantage of that. Like they're a wounded animal at the moment. We need to go there and get their fans on their back early doors. Obviously, we've won one away game. The, the that, that away win at Swansea was the first in 295 days. I don't fancy waiting another 295 days to to, to win away again. So, yeah, of course, it's a brilliant opportunity and a Rotherham game as well. Um, but we know Watford, Ben. We've supported them 20-odd years of our lives. We know full well we won't make it easy for ourselves at all, will we? Uh,
1: it, it's something Watford don't do, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to make that point about the whole character and mentality. When you when you threw it out in the WhatsApp group the other day by saying, is there any topics you really want to cover? And I was like, actually, yeah, I, the, the mentality and character this what the squad we've seen this season is so different to the last two seasons. It's um we've we've seen a lot of balls shown in these last four games. We've we've came from behind to rescue points, we we've gone away from home, kept a clean sheet and, and scored late on. Um and and I feel like performances in the last two seasons are nowhere near what we've seen in the last couple of games. And I know you might look on paper, we probably had better squads in those last two seasons. But I would argue that we've we've got a better team now. And it and it's a team game, isn't it, Mike? Like I, I know people say it's about squads and that, but we're we're more of a, there's a more of a togetherness with this Watford squad, isn't it? And and that's why I refer it to a team.
0: Oh, hundred percent there is like you only have to see the scenes away at Swansea. As soon as that final whistle goes, everyone's like together in a a bit of a huddle. All the Watford fans, uh, all the Watford players, sorry, that were on the bench. Ishmael Kone ran over to the away fans, sprinted over to the away fans. And, (laughs) you know, he he was giving it, oh, Johnny Seven, you know, he was really going for it. And, you know, the the passion. And look, a lot of Watford fans, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly say that this squad quality-wise isn't sort of where it's been or where we'd expect it to be. But to be quite frank, give me a squad, a tight-knit squad, that there's togetherness, and we'll fight for each other, and we'll give 100% over a few flash players. Like, you know, we we, we were being very lucky in recent years to have, you know, uh, Jao Pedro, Ishmael Asar, uh, players such as that. And it's great to have them. It really, really is. But can we look back on those... Squads and say that there was a real togetherness in in the in the team, probably not. I know obviously we went up in lockdown, but I think you know you, you could have stuck anyone in that dugout in that second half of the season, and I think we'd have got promoted. I mean, look at Sheffield Wednesday going back to them when we spoke to uh, James from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. You know, Cisco Moonath went into Sheffield Wednesday, and it's a bit of a poison chalice job. And he, he, he failed, to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. He come to Watford and he was given a team at his disposal that really should have been winning promotion. So, you know, I'd like to say, I'd rather have a team that I know are going to be likable, are going to give 100% and are in it together, than have a team who we might have a few flash players here and there, but all in all, aren't really asked. And, you know, we pay our hard-earned money to go. Like, you know, it, it was... 233 miles just to get to Swansea for me on Tuesday. I took the day off work on Tuesday and the Wednesday. I paid for a hotel. You paid for your food as well. You know, it's not cheap going to football nowadays. Petrol money, everything. And when I go, if I am moaning that I'm not seeing a a good enough performance, I bloody well, you know, i have every right to. So, it's good that we are slowly seeing a team that are are uh, likeable and look like they're fighting for each other because, yeah. you know, the, it's evident. Look, we last season, I've already said it, last season, we wouldn't have equalised in the last minute against Millwall. And it's the fact now that if we go down and we one goal down, you're sort of still hoping and, and wishing in the dying embers of the game. But when Millwall scored uh, last season, I'd have switched off and thought, fuck this, so I'm not watching it. But I, I just thought, right, you know, we're we, going to really go for it here. And it paid off and we saw a last-minute goal and I celebrated like an absolute madman.
1: You just um, reminded me of something as well. And it was another point I made in our WhatsApp group as well, where you saying if, if when Millwall was scored, you would just like fuck off or something and be like, no, I'm not watching the rest of this. And this was what, what I said in the WhatsApp group. The, the amount of people that got up and left when Millwall um scored their second goal. There, there was still, what, about five minutes left on the clock, plus added on time. We we knew Siri Elta was down for a long time, so we knew there was going to be maybe an extra five, six, seven minutes to be added on as well. So a good, like, 10, 15 minutes of action still to be played. And I just feel like that we, we've seen a change in mentality from the players. Um And what I really want now is that to transition over to the actual fans. I'd love for fans to not just get up from their seats and start leaving as soon as the opposition fans, um, the opposition team score. And that's what we saw with Millwall during the week. The amount of people, because I I, I couldn't attend the game because I was at my nephew's birthday party. But I I managed to watch it on, on a good old stream. But and one of the cameras just showed Millwall scoring, and the next minute, it's loads of people in the Vicarage Road then just got up, and same with the Elton John stand, just got up, and they was just like, "Nah, you know what? Fuck this, I'm off." But now what, what I'm asking for is the, the change of mentality for Watford fans now, because we we have shown character on the pitch, and. They have got the guts to get back into games, and we've seen late goals lately against Sheffield Wednesday, um, Swansea City, and then again against Millwall as well. And then Ryvich scored in his first game in like added on time as well, didn't he? So we've scored loads of late goals. So, all I say is just be patient, just don't leave too early. I understand that people want to beat the traffic and all that, but. Just stay with this team. We we know it's a rebuild, but but they need patience from us as well, Mike. But talking about this tra- change of mentality and and the character that we're showing this season, do you think that's down to the recruitment that we've done this summer? As in we've brought in a lot of homegrown players but know the leagues. Um, do you think that's benefited a team, like the likes of Jake Livermore, Jam- Jamal Lewis, Tom Ince, like proper experienced pros that know the, the leagues, and they're obviously, it, I think it's just helped us perform as a team.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And I've said this before on, on podcasts that you know you you need to have that experience in a squad. Look at the season we went up on the Slavicia Karabich. Was it the January transfer window? We brought in Sebastian Bassong. He knew the, the league. Um, he, he was vital. We brought in Matthew Connolly. We brought in Ben Watson. You know, and names I often talk about on the podcast. Um, you know, we've had the likes of Tom Cleverley, Dan Gosling. How vital was he when he came in? Uh, Craig Cathcart. Again, people that know the league inside out. And you can have all these yeah. fancy players and everything else. Look at Burnley last season. I know he didn't play as much, but Ashley Barnes—he was, you know, he was chipped in with a few goals last season, and to have those players around the place, you know, helps no end. And at the end of the day, you always need that experience and know-how of the league, because—and I don't mean this in a harsh way—but we obviously know that our scouting network brings up a lot of these. South American sort of youngsters, talented, we build them up and then sell them on for bigger fees, that is the Pazzo model, but as we all know with Richarlison, João Pedro, um, Asprea at the moment, it takes them a while to get used to the English game, the second tier of English football, is one hell of a baptism of fire for a footballer, a young kid who's come over from wherever he's come over, and I think we saw a little bit of this when the Pozzos first took over and brought all these players in from Udinese and Granada. They just don't understand. I don't think they realise the physicality of the league. You've got Andrew French did a superb interview with Rajevic, saying that he's at Watford to learn and saying how he's, he's sort of noticed a, a big difference. And it is a physical league. So if you're coming over here and you've got all these players from the like Serie A, uh, South America... And you're right. Okay, you go and play in the second tier of English football, and they're getting kicked lumps out of. You need that player like Jake Livermore. The countless times I've seen already, he puts an arm around the sprayer, and I'm I'm sure he is fantastic in the dressing room as well. And just having that experience. Sometimes, you know, you've got to see a game out, and it might not be pretty. Sheffield Wednesday game was, to be quite frank, was shit and boring, but we won. Yeah. Swansea wasn't the greatest game I've ever been to, but we won. And it's all about grinding out results. And you don't grind out results without the experience of players that know the league.
1: Definitely. And um, we've... We'll we'll probably fess up a little bit here now, guys. Um uh, yeah. me and Mark have message each other a little bit whilst we've been presenting this. A little bit worried that our guest hasn't turned up. And I know this has happened for the boys over at Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. They've had they've had no shows before. Um, but obviously they just style it out. Um so we we're, we're gonna try and style it out as well. Um we'll still do a dedicated preview for a Sheffield um for Huddersfield Town game because I've managed to get some um, stats up, we can talk about previous games and the questions that we were going to ask him I'll I'll just throw him over to Mike Mike to get his opinions on Huddersfield Town and where he he thinks they they lie this season so apologies that our um, Huddersfield Town fan hasn't showed up but what we'll get Mike to do is he'll put on his best Yorkshire accent and Uh he'll try and um, impersonate the the Terriers at the moment but um, Firstly, we we've spoken about it already. So Huddersfield are under a new manager in Darren Moore. They've had seven games in charge with him. They've won one game. Um he came in for their first game and it was away to Coventry City. I think it was on Sky as well. And they got they got a one-one draw there. Um and then a one-one draw at home against Ipswich Town straight after. So you you look at that and you go, okay, that's not a bad start for Darren Moore's Huddersfield Town, especially against high-flying Ipswich Town, where they they score goals for fun and everyone's tipped them to finishing that top two this season. So that that's not a too too bad start. But their following game after that, Mike, was a four-one defeat to Birmingham City, and it's like right, okay, crashing back down for Huddersfield. Then after that, 0-0 away to Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday was under Cisco Munoz at that point. Bottom of the table, they really, really fancied going there and getting the three points. Uh, I think it was just before the international break as well. And then after that, they picked up their first league win under Darren Moore, which was a 2-1 victory over QPR. But I think they were 2-0 up quite early on into the game, and then I think QPR got a goal back and absolutely Hamilton, but they just couldn't get that second goal to get themselves back into the game. Then this is the the last two games, Mike, is what's maybe encouraging for Watford fans. Away At home to Cardiff City, they lost 4-0. And then the following game, they lost 4-1 away to Leeds United. So in the last two games, Mike, They've mm. shipped eight goals in two games. Yes, it's against Leeds and Cardiff, both of them in the playoffs. But do you take that as a, an encouragement for this weekend? Like you see their defence and you think that that's something we
0: can get at? Uh, yeah, I mean, firstly, evening, Ricky, I noticed he's, he's popped a um, comment in. Evening, mate, hope you well. Uh, and Philip as well. We will get round to answering that. Uh, we'll just talk about the game a little bit more first. Um yeah, Ben, like I said earlier, we have to go for the jugular here. We have to. Like yeah. they've shipped eight goals in the last two games. That is crazy. I saw on Twitter they lost obviously to Leeds United, as you mentioned. And apparently, well, I mean, I saw some of the stuff on Twitter, but apparently there were people chanting about how shit Darren Morse football is, and they're really not happy yeah. with him. And no. To be fair, that surprises me, you know, he's he's highly thought of. He did a good good enough job at Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, they finished just, I think it was like two or three points outside the automatic promotion spots and then obviously scraped through the playoffs. No no disrespect to him. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I thought he was quite highly thought of and, and his football was as well. But there's a lot of Huddersfield fans that seem to think that he's not cut out for the job at this level. And if that is the case, we need to go to the John Smith Stadium with every intent of putting them under pressure and getting their fans on their back as early as we Mm -hmm. can. And getting an early goal, that is key on Saturday. I think whoever gets that first goal, if there is one, will potentially go on and win it. Because if Huddersfield do, you can just imagine they'll sit players at the back. And how many times have we seen already this season? We we can struggle to break teams down and, and put the ball in the back of the net if we get the goal, I'd like to think that we can kick on and maybe score another one and, and really put that nail in the coffin and, and mm. you know, see a mass exodus in the home end. Because when I went to Huddersfield um, in the Premier League, their fans were probably some of the best home fans I've, I've come across in, in football. I would imagine it's quite far from from that at the moment. I would imagine it's quite a toxic place. So, look, we've been in the position where it's toxic and a goal can spur things on, and and you know can can get the crowd and the players backs. We need to inflict it on them this season, uh, this Saturday, one hundred percent. I
1: want to I want to get your thoughts on Huddersfield Town as as a as a football club now, Mike, because yeah. looking at looking back at their last last few seasons, they've obviously had a very good run under Carlos Corbijn. Uh, Mm -hmm. He ended up getting them to the playoff final. They they ended up losing to Nottingham Forest and Forest got promoted. And I think in the summer, after the disappointment in the playoffs, he actually resigned from the football club. Since then, it's just gone to pot really for Huddersfield, hasn't it really? Like they've gone through a string of managers. And I know we're not ones to talk off (laughs) a string of managers, but from, from Carlos Corbrahan, they went to Danny Schofield, And then Mark Fotheringham. And then last season, um, Neil Neil Warnock. So, in a space of like one and a half seasons, they had four managers. Like, what's your take at looking at Huddersfield Town from an outsider's point of view?
0: I think they're very obviously on a downward trajectory. And it's quite sad to see because, you know, I, I don't mind Huddersfield. Like I said, I went a few seasons ago and their supporters are, are top top people like me and my brother went and we got chatting to a few Huddersfield fans on the train and like say this was in the Premier League season they went down and um you know they were really sort of doom and gloom like we are really, really bad sort of thing and I think it sort of spiraled from there and you mentioned that player final game against Nottingham Forest I've got quite a few Forest mates so they won't thank me for bringing this up but don't mm-hmm. forget as well that um, Huddersfield should have had a penalty. Um, I'm not quite sure how it wasn't given, so it could have been completely different. Who knows what could have happened? But yeah, it, it seems like you know there's definitely a bit of a losing mentality within the squad at the moment, and they're they're really struggling to sort of nail down a manager that's going to sort of do wonders for them. Because it was Wagner, wasn't it? The um, he's at Norwich at the moment. He was the one that. That got them he to got the them prem.
1: And, yeah,
0: um, and he did really well with them because I think their first season in the prem, I, I'm sure they, they did sort of reasonably well, um, and I think they actually, I might be wrong did here, they, did they beat us in in their first season of the prem. Um, I seem to remember the core I scored a screamer, but I'm sure we lost like three one or four one. Um I can't have a look. So yeah. Um, yeah, look, look. I mean, the guy on screen now, Fotheringham, is that Fotheringham? Fotheringham? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, Mark
0: Fotheringham. Um, looks like Buzz Lightyear. Someone pointed that out on Twitter <laughs> once, and uh, I, I can't unsee it now. The man, and this is coming from a bloke with a brummy accent, the man with the weirdest accent. The accent, air. yeah. It's like Spanish Yorkshire and whatever. German. language. <laughs> yeah, German. Because...
1: It was Scottish German, wasn't
0: it? It was. It he, I was, was going to say he—he. He, I'm sure he was in Germany. Um, with he was an assistant to someone, but um, yeah, he was a—he was a weird old bloke, and um, yeah. But look, I, I feel sorry for the Huddersfield fans because, like I say, they're—they're they're a good bunch. Um, Joe reminding us here that it was four-one that we lost. Poor game, yeah. but that's done from decoray. Um, but yeah, no. Look, I feel sorry for him, and I really hope that they sort of return to to you know their winning way soon. Obviously after Saturday, and I think February is the reverse fixture. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it, look. We know all too well. You're in the Premier League one season, and then the next season you're sort of staring sort of championship struggling in the championship, and it's not massively similar because we spent a lot longer in the Premier League, but it's um it's a little bit close to home that, that scenario, but they're they're in a real bad place at the moment. And yeah, I know they've been taken over, but by the sounds of it, this this guy that's taken them over is a bit of a tool. So
1: yeah, and I think he was the reason why Neil Warnock wanted to leave the club as well. And let's talk about Neil Warnock. I think if you're in a regular relegation fight he is the man to a point because he has a fantastic record, probably one of the best records in the championship or in the EFL, to be fair. He's managed lower down, hasn't he? Um, and has worked his way up. And he's obviously got teams out of relegation zone There, He's got teams promoted. He is Mr stable I think. I think he just stabilised his football club, doesn't he, Mike? Like Huddersfield last season went when he joined the football club, I think there was bottom of the league. They were, they were adrift from everyone. They ended up finishing 19th in the championship last season. Like and I think it was about six, seven points clear of relegation zone. He had a massive impact last season for them, didn't he? Yeah,
0: I was looking at something earlier and I think they only looked like one or two of the last seven games or something. Um, Interesting stat about our friend Colin here. Um, For anyone that doesn't know, people call him Colin because his name's an anagram of Colin Wanker. Um, So if you don't know that already, you can keep that one. I must say, just two things off the tangent here completely. First things first, he gets a lot of stick, but I was mascot in 2006 or 2005, and it was for the home game against Sheffield United and we lost, and I think Car- uh, Clark Carlisle got sent off, I think we lost 3-2, and I was mascot that day, and apparently uh, my grandmother came with me, and obviously my old man, and apparently my grandmother still tells me to this day, that Neil Warnock, as soon as the mascots come in, he told the players to put their phones down and and sign anything that the, the us fans wanted to, and that he was really good with the mascots. So, he's uh, he gets a lot of steep, but and you always say, see videos of him. I mean, one of the funniest videos I saw of him was um, yeah, he's, he's got his own little cards now that he hands at, like he he'll he'll see like some kids or some fans in the, the stand near the pre Signed,
1: like,
0: yeah, and he'll be like, "Watch it name, lad," and he'll sign it and um, he'll, he'll pass it over to him. So um, yeah, I mean, he's a real gent. Uh, and then he's the a, second, he's a character. He is a character, yeah. Uh, and the the second little uh, interesting stat I've got here is Watford are actually the team he's faced the most in his career. Um, oh, he's wow. faced us 36 times. He's won 10, drawn seven and lost 19. So he averages 1.03 points per match. Uh, Reading's the next on 32. So it does feel like that, to be fair, because it feels like we come up against him a lot. But as you said, Ben, you know we we'll probably have to rename this one the Neil Warnock uh, preview or something, but he he is someone that if you're in trouble in the championship, you bring him in because Yeah. I remember hearing an interview I, from one of his former players, sorry, and I think he just simplifies football and it still works this day and age. I mean, you look at Sam Allardyce and you maybe wonder, Roy Hodgson, you maybe wonder, is football sort of, Gone on, grown, outgrown those people. Do their tactics sort of work in this this style of football now? Um, and I think Warnock went into a club, Cardiff, I think it was, and he said, "Right, what position are you? at I'm a defender. What's your job as a defender? To make sure the ball doesn't go in the back of the net and to clear it at any opportunity." Yeah, there you go. That's your job then. And he really <laughs> does simplify down to a T. And he he gets players running through brick walls for him. I mean that dreaded game last season Ben uh, you went and that was our most viewed match day vlog and yeah Aspira got his first goal for the club that was brilliant and they just went on and beat us and they were a team that give 100% that day and we weren't and that's what that's what Neil does and you know he he had a brilliant spell there um early on in his managerial career as well he did wonders for him and he's a legend and i think Whoever sort of followed Neil in his footsteps at Huddersfield was always going to be in for a, a bit of a tough task.
1: Yeah, you're talking about Neil Warnock there, and like saying like he's 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 managed for most games against Watford. I'm yeah. surprised with the amount of managers we've had at the football club that he's never actually been in charge of Watford. Well, um, yeah, he, he, I know he hasn't officially retired yet, so there's still chance. Um, <laughs> watch out, Valve. Neil Warnock's after your job um but yeah it's 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 an interesting one isn't it um great great guy great character um and um yeah um free two that was last year mike i, I was just having a look to see if i could get up the, the match day vlog from last season to share it um cuz there was some action point in that game wasn't there mike um it, it, daniel batman lost his head um yeah. that that that's the main one we can all talk about <laughs> Um that was that was awful, wasn't it, Mike? He completely lost his head. Um that was in the last minute, wasn't
0: it? 97th minute, I think it was, because Hamza Chowdhury put the well, he didn't even put the gloves on. He put uh, the shirt on and then just didn't have any gloves on at all. And that's a problem with Dan sometimes. I mean, to be fair to him so far this season, he's sort of calmed down a little bit more, and I suppose he sort of had to, you know, being captain. Yes, you want to show. A certain amount of passion and and desire, but I think he was just way too erratic in times. I mean, not only that stupid sending off against Huddersfield. I seem to remember um, remember the Luton game in lockdown when he give away that penalty. I genuinely thought he's not going to walk back into his goal to be able to try and save this. Um, so yeah, uh, there it is. The the it, yeah. YouTube, if you if you're watching this, don't do us for copyright. This is us. Uh this is our video. But yeah, you got it brilliantly, didn't you, Ben?
1: Yeah, I did, yeah. Like you said, um, Yasser I got his first goal for Watford, um, which was a good strike, took it on his left foot from outside the box. Keeper maybe should have done better, but I think he maybe did him with his eyes, didn't he, Mike? I thought he maybe thought it was coming across him instead of beating him in that near post. Mm. Um, but then afterwards, Huddersfield just grew into a game and they just showed that they were such a strong team after that, weren't they? They were very physical. They had Matty Pearson in defence. I think he just came back from injuries as well. And, uh, he got a goal really r- Rudondi scored for them as well. Is that how you say Rundundi?
0: Um Yeah, he was on, then... was on loan at um, Wimbledon the season before. Um, gotcha. it, I think their second goal to put them, um, or was it their third goal? What, either their second or third goal, um, there it was the youngster's first senior goal for Huddersfield, um, and I, he, he he flicked it on from a corner. I was watching the whole, excuse me, I was watching the
1: highlights the other day. <clears throat> and and Watford's second goal was um, was wasn't it Brit British on Belonga? It was indeed. He ran through on yeah. goal
0: and good uh, finish to be fair, but uh
1: captured that on here. So yeah, how Huddersfield went three one up. Um there was this <laughs> this was the turning point last season, Mike, wasn't it? It was that's when the fans were turning against the ownership. They were singing Gino Pozzo, get out of our club. And yeah. there was starting to be protests as well. I think there might have been a banner in the stand this time as well. And this video just shows there's a bit of unrest in, in the Watford fans after conceding that third goals. And you can see that the seats are emptying as well. Um, and look, even more chanting of the, the, ownership towards, um, the fans towards the ownership. Um, and then, yeah. It, it was, was...
0: chanting you're not fit to wear the shirt, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, and his British on Balunga's goalkeeper maybe should have done better, but I think that was Brit's second goal for Watford. I think the first goal for Watford he came off his arse or something and went in, didn't it? It was Yes. It, it was. and it, and here's the famous Daniel Batman um, sending off. I don't know what he was thinking coming in with a kung fu kit right on the, the top of the Huddersfield oh. player, nearly decapitated him. Oh. Um, and then what? What makes me laugh, here, Mike, is he protests it going, oh, ref never, it, It's not even a card. It's not even a card, and he just talks himself into. The a, loose Apologies it's for
0: anyone crazy. listening on the audio, if. If you want to go and watch it, it is on our YouTube channel. It's VOTV Vlogs and it's a Huddersfield one. It's uh, Yeah, Ben Ben really did uh, capture some crazy moments that game. He captured it all. Um,
1: well, Ismail Assar always got involved with things like that, didn't he? Because what you're seeing at the moment is Ismail Assar going over and pushing the guy who was rolling around on the floor, holding his head, probably accusing him of diving. But it's probably got stud marks across his forehead. Um, and now the, the gloves have been thrown on... The, on the floor, Hamza Chowdhury's picked him up. Um uh, yeah, interesting game against Huddersfield Town last last year, Mike. Um I'm expecting it to be less eventful. I I'd like to think that Daniel Batman's he's he's calmed down a little bit since then. Um but do you think he's probably got a point to prove against Huddersfield this year? Or not a point to prove but maybe a point to prove for himself because he let himself down that
0: game. Oh he let himself down massively and now that he's captain. He needs, he, he cannot lose his head like that or at any time. So it will be a, a sort of progression to see how far he has progressed. And he'll want to get another clean sheet. I, I read out, I think it was the last podcast I read out. He's actually joint seconds in the uh, championship at the moment for clean sheets. Clean kick. Yeah. He's that. That mad that he's like, I feel like someone should be running away with it, but when I think about it, Leicester concede quite a bit. Obviously, they score more, but um, and Leeds again, they 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 score more. Uh, Meslier's got the same amount of clean sheets as Dan, but yeah, no, he. Um, I think he, he's he needs to prove to himself this season that you know the last couple of seasons he's been a bit too erratic, and now that he's captain, he needs to get his emotions under control and a good captain can do that and and filter them out in the correct way. So, yeah, fingers crossed, Dan, and, and the defence can get another clean sheet because um, these next two games, really, you would like to think we should be looking at these thinking, right, not only can we win, we can get a clean sheet because he'll, he'll have to make up for it against Rotherham as well because, you know, that goal he conceded at, at home to Rotherham last season from Ferguson was, was just as shambolic. So, yeah, big game for Dan on Saturday, I think. Yeah,
1: Watford have actually kept the fifth most clean sheets in the Championship this season. So uh, West Brom have got seven clean sheets, Leicester got six, Ipswich six, Leeds got five, and Watford have got five. Um, That's just in the the, um, Skybet Championship, but obviously we didn't keep a clean sheet in Stevenage, either, did we? So um, so it's just five for Watford this year. Um, A bit more talk about Huddersfield Town. So they actually find themselves one place outside the the, um, relegation zones at the moment five points clear of Rotherham, but they they must be maybe looking behind them a little bit now, Mike, because obviously Sheffield Wednesday got their first win that weekend under Danny Roll. QPR have got rid of Gareth Ainsworth and I, I don't know why it's taken them 14 games to get rid of Gareth Ainsworth. Um, so hope they'll be hoping for a managerial bounce. Rotherham, they're not a bad side, are they? I think they oh, let yeah. themselves down the other week losing to Sheffield Wednesday. But I expect them to to still be fighting for their lives down there to try and get out of that relegation zone. So, do you think Huddersfield have got one eye behind them at the moment going, these teams can easily catch us up?
0: Yeah, I think Huddersfield fans, as it stands at the moment, you know, they just, whenever you're sort of tipped to be in a bit of a relegation battle you always sort of look to the table and think, right, who who are three worst teams in us? And I've said it this season, I don't think we'll go down because 100% there are three worst teams than us, maybe more. Um, Huddersfield fans are probably looking at that table and thinking, uh-oh, we're one of those three worst teams. As you said, QPR, uh, I love how the straw that broke the camel's back was a narrow 2-1 defeat to Leicester. Uh, like, he didn't get thumped most weeks <laughs> in football. It was a, Narrow defeat to the runaway probably winners of the championship. That that did make me laugh. They'll obviously have a bit of a new manager bounce. Um, Rotherham always fight to the to the last, you know, to the last breath. They stayed up last season for the first time. They got promoted and then stayed up the following season in the championship. They'll be looking to stay up again. They don't want to go down. Um, and you know, we've seen them pull some results out the bag already. Um, you know, a brilliant 1-1 draw away at Southampton. That was a huge scalp for them. So, you know, Huddersfield will be aware that the teams in and around them are are capable of putting up a good fight. Maybe not QPR, but as I say, with a new manager, possibly. But uh, yeah, you know, if they... I'm not sure what the next few games are looking like, but they probably, you know, (laughs) they want to be picking up points sooner rather than later because, uh, you know... Christmas is round the corner now, and if you're in that sort of position around Christmas time, if you're bottom at Christmas and everything else, you're uh, you're in a world of trouble.
1: Yeah, and obviously we haven't got uh, the guy on to, from the Huddersfield Town to talk to us about their their danger man, um, but I'm having a look at this app, Sofa Score. And their Huddersfield highest rated player so far this season is Sauber Thomas. Um he, he's actually got one goal and four assists to his name this season. So he's got the biggest goals and assists contribution for Huddersfield this season. So the former Bournemouth um winger is is for one to look out for this weekend. And obviously closely followed behind him is Jack Rodondi. And then their defender, Mike, is actually their top goal scorer, Michael Helick. Yes. I think his name is, he scored at um, Leeds at the weekend. I think he scored in the game before that as well. So he's on four goals this season, Um, Michael Helic, and then um, Jack Redundi's got three goals. And then um, they've got another guy, I think he's a a, a Dutch guy. I I can't absolutely, I'm going to pronounce his, uh, butcher his name. Delino Begosk Zog. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, no, I have better, no idea. Better than
0: I would have done, Ben.
1: Better than I would have I done, have, yeah. I have no idea at all. Um. So, yeah, they're, they're the players to
0: look out for this weekend. Um. Jonathan Hogg's suspended as well, which is good, because we yeah. all know that Hogg is someone that will give everything and leave everything on the pitch, and he's a dirty old bugger when he wants to be. So, that's good, because I do worry yeah. about, you know, I know our midfield shored up a lot in, in recent weeks, but when you've got a little... Uh, ironic to call him this, but a little terrier like Jonathan Hugg in the middle of the pitch sort of clamping people down, you do sort of worry about that. So yeah, a bit of a relief that Hoggy's not available.
1: Some more interesting stats about Huddersfield as well. So they've played 14 games this season. They've Mm. scored 14 goals. So they're obviously averaging one goal a game. So they they don't tend to score many. But it's the goals conceded, Mike. And I know we touched about this earlier. They've conceded 27 goals in the championship this season already, um, which which is really ridiculous. Um, Their goal conversion rate is 8%. Um, i think watford's goal conversion rates nine percent so we haven't got a much better one um they've they've hit the woodwork five times this season they're uh, average p- ball possession is 41.6% where Watford's like 56% so you mm. know it, it might come to it where we'll see a game like it'll be Watford probably holding on to a lot more possession which we expect from what we do in home games isn't it maybe we're going to transition that into this game this weekend.
0: Yeah absolutely we know that we're a team that like to keep hold of the ball and I've said, you know, you can have all the possession in the world, but if you don't put it in the back of the net, it counts for all. So I really hope we don't try and do this slow build-up and, um, you know, tr- try and pass the ball into the back of the net. Sometimes you have to test the keeper. And I don't feel like we've done that as, as recently as we should have done. I mean, Millwall, for example, Kowski in goal, Terrible goalkeeper, uh, and you know that might be a bit harsh, but I don't think we tested him at all. Um, for those that are watching on YouTube, Ben has taken a phone call, this is quite funny, but uh, that's why I'm still talking. You could have got away with that because there'll be people that just listen on the podcast and won't know that, but uh, yeah, had to sneak that in there. But look, like I say, we need to make sure that we make the most of the possession and turn them into chances and finish the chances. Because as I've said time and time again, already on the pod, we have to take advantage of Huddersfield's worlds Because otherwise, you know, can you imagine we lost this game? Like, I'm not logging on to Twitter if we do. No way.
1: Yeah, sorry about that. My uh, missus um, called um, because I'm looking after my little girl tonight. She was working late, so she don't normally call me when she's driving home. And I thought, fuck, there's something wrong here. (laughs) She called me. She wants me to put the oven on because she fancies a pizza when she gets in. Uh, So no emergency. Uh, She just wants a pizza. So apologies for, um, yeah, put myself on mute there. But um, you you did a stellar job, Mike. Um, I I don't think anyone
0: noticed. Um, so yeah, well, like I said, the people listening on the pod won't notice until I won't I have a
1: clue. So it, I man. could have just not mentioned it, but it would have just looked weird if we just carried on as normal <laughs> and if the visual <laughs> on YouTube. Um, but yeah, t- tonight's going well. Our um guest did turn up, I've answered a phone call, I've got to go run and put the oven on very quickly. So, Mike, I'm going to leave you with a little monologue. What's your score prediction for this Saturday? Oh, score prediction
0: for this Saturday, it's going to be a tough one. See. This is the beauty of podcasting, right? And anyone that thinks we we try and be too professional sometimes, we fucking don't. Because I could say anything here now. And when Ben gets back, he ain't going to have a scooby what I've been talking about. Um, He's back now, though. Four
1: 0 Watford, fantastic, brilliant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, do you know what? I think we don't score a lot of goals full stop. You know, 18 scored, 18 conceded. I'm going to go with 2-0 to Watford. I've gone with that score line so many times this season. It's boring the tits off me. But I just think 2-0 Watford, another clean sheet. I think if Bio Bio's going to score, I'm telling you now, I, a broken clock's right twice a day. I'm bound to get it right one of these weeks. Bio's going to score. And I'll tell you who else is going to score. Espria he's going to continue on his rich vein of form. What about you, Ben?
1: I don't know. We don't really tend to score too many goals away from home. I've just had a look now. We've we've scored five goals away from home this season. Obviously, three came in that game away at Coventry. Um, and then the other two goals came away at Cardiff City and then away to Swansea City. So I'm looking at that going, we don't score many away from home, but also confidence is up. Um, Huddersfield, they've shipped eight goals in the last two games. So maybe our luck is going to change a little bit, sir. So. Um, I don't think it would be like if I'm going to go for a Watford win, obviously, but I don't think it's going to be like a convincing victory. I wouldn't be, you know, what I wouldn't be surprised if we're here doing a review Sunday and it was just a, a standard one nil Watford away win. Um, I and you know, I'm have no complaints about that as long as we we, we pick up three points, I, I won't care. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go boring and go one nil Watford. Um, He's and Who's gonna score.
0: I don't know. Um, would Spreer continue his fine form with a goal or an
1: assist? I'd I like to see that, but it looks like Spreer only gets his goals at home, doesn't it? <laughs> um, he's, is that, he's, he's scored three goals to Watford now, and all three of them have been at Vickery Roads. Um, so correct. I don't see him scoring away from home just yet. I don't think he's got as much of an impact away from home than what he does at home. I know he got the assist um, against Swansea. Um, I'll go bio. I I love yeah. bio. He he would. Yeah. I was listening to the podcast that you recorded at the weekend, and you were saying that you would have Martin up there as your like your player of the season. I would have bio up there as well. Not not obviously to be my player of the season yet, but he's definitely in my top two or three. Um, it's the work rate for the team has been sublime, and I, I think goals will come. He just obviously needs to work on his finishing, and he he's talked about that himself anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go for a 1-0 Watford win.
0: Yeah, well, Joe's gone 3-1 here. He says, bio, brace and semi-goal. And Philip Crouch, don't worry, Phil, we're going to speak about your earlier questions very shortly, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, he says 2-1 to Watford. So, some quite close games there, really. If you want to let us know your score predictions, pop it in the comments. And even though we're going to move on to a different topic, we'll still shout them out. Yep. Yeah, and um, what we'll do is
1: we'll talk about We'll we'll do that question now, actually, Mike. Uh, mm. If you can find the right. question and pop it up, so it's it's talking about who who will go for our lineup um, Saturday, and gotcha. then afterwards we will, we will do our play for both. I know we're not going to um, we haven't got the opposition to to play it with us, but we've prepared all the photos. Mm-hmm. We have got everyone together, so we, we'll. Um, let everyone know who, who has played for both clubs. Um. So, Mike, who would you um start against Huddersfield this weekend? Would it be the same starting lineup? Um. Because uh, Phillips off. Um. Should we start with the same starting lineup against Millwall, or would you make
0: any changes? Well, Ben, I have already done my team prediction on the Fan Hub app. For anyone watching on, uh, for anyone listening, sorry, on the podcast and not watching on YouTube. Uh, make sure you go and download the Fan Hub app. When you download it on Google, uh, on Android or iPhone, App Store, uh, you'll register, you'll be put into a waiting list because it's that popular at the moment. Um, but fear not, message us, we'll give you a code that makes you skip the queue and you go straight in. And on there, you can do your team predictions. And as well, they've got a thing, sorry to go off on a tangent here, Ben, But they've got a thing called FanFi. So, again, this is purely for, um, you know, people watching on YouTube. It's basically like their own currency. And what you can do with that is, and I think this is brilliant, right? This is right up my street. You'll see it says at the top here, it says shop. So, with that shop, you can actually buy stuff using the FanFi. And look at that beauty at the top. For 400 FanFi, I get a pint of Carlin at a pub. And then below as well, they do other things, such as a Fan Hub shirt. Sorry, I'm terrible at this camera angle. Uh, I'm a right technophobe at times. I'm only 28. Um, so, yeah, you get a Fan Hub shirt for 10600 and then a Fan Hub home shirt. So they've actually had kits made purely for Fan Hub. Uh, I got sent a home shirt. I think it's still at my mum's. So what we might do, actually... Is if you sign up to FanHub and use our code, I might actually raffle that off as a prize. So you, uh, yeah, I'll have a think about that and think how the logistics will work, and uh, we may post it and I may talk more about it in the uh, in the coming weeks. But well, yes, originally back to your question, Ben, my <laughs> line I've gone. So I'm just trying to, yet. I'm just trying to plug the Fan Hub app, You know, uh, <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's great. You know, getting currency for getting correct predictions and checking into games and everything, I think it's brilliant um, so yeah, I have gone, um, thank you very much Paul for your comment hope you're doing well Pidge and thank you as well for sharing my donation link, really appreciate that buddy. Um, I've gone for Dan Backman, back four of Jamal Lewis, Francisco Sierra, Wesley Hoot and Jeremy Ngakia I've gone for a midfield three of Jake Livermore, Ishmael Kone Edelke Embe. And then I've gone from Ken Summer, Yasser Espria, and Vacuum Bio. So, in long form, Philip, I wouldn't change it for Millwall because that was a team that started against Millwall. Um, obviously, Andrews is back. We sort of spoke on the last pod. And, in fact, actually, Ben, I'm sure you'll mention this when you give your team prediction. Um, we were talking about Andrews coming back. But for me, I think Ngaki has done more than enough to keep his spot. Um, would you make any changes from the team against Millwall
1: or would you keep it as is? I'd keep it same starting 11 Don't change anything if it doesn't need fixing. Um, exactly. I think Ngakia's earned his spot in this team now and we've said about this at the start of the season it was like a toss of the coin, really. Do you go Ngakia or do you do Andrews? But um, Ngakia's stepped up to the plate and he's delivered and I've been really impressed with him. I, I, and it's been it's been evident since... Um, I think the Sheffield Wednesday game, I, w- I was impressed with him. There's a, a few deliveries into the box and he's obviously just done really well. Um, but yeah, I would obviously keep him in the starting lineup, up And I've really liked the look of Jamal Lewis as well lately. I think that yeah. he is, he, he's obviously a few weeks behind Jeremy Ngakia, um, but he is much more confident now in his own body, I think, I think he's getting up to scratch. And I think when he gets fully up to speed, um, he's going to be a massive asset for Watford. And Valery Ishmael said today in a piece with Andrew French, that he believes that Watford have got the best two fullbacks in the division in Jamal Lewis and Jeremy Ngakia. Um, So that's how highly rates he believes them as well.
0: Let's not forget as well that, you know, all these people saying, oh, well, I've not been impressed with Lewis so far. He's, He's not played regular football, and that is such a big thing, especially coming into a league such as a championship. You know, he was frozen out at, at Newcastle. I think they brought Matt Target in, who I don't think he's very good, but hey-ho. But last season, 2022-23, he made two appearances in the Premier League, one appearance in the EFL Cup and one appearance in the FA Cup. And just for a bit of context, the two appearances he made for uh, Newcastle in the Premier League was a total of nine minutes. The EFL Cup game he played was 44 minutes and the FA Cup game was 69 minutes. He's played nine games for Watford so far. 662 minutes he's played. So he's not played, like even the season before 21-22, five appearances for Newcastle in the Premier League, 263 minutes, one appearance in the EFL Cup, 90 minutes Season before that, 24 games, 1,834 minutes. So that's the last time he really played regularly was the not last season or the season before, the season before that. So Mm. I think a few fans need to get off his back a little bit. But like you've said, these last few games, he's really come into his own. And I love how he gets forward and he overlaps and he tries to, you know, get the ball into the box and, I think Warwick's talking about him here. He's out of contract in June. If 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 I'm Watford, if I'm the hierarchy, I'm saying, right, come on, sign for us permanently because he he he's a real, real good player and I really do like him.
1: I, I just think that he's growing with each game at Watford. He's improving every every game. And I know a lot of people have been quite negative of him. And I think on one of the Twitter spaces, a lot of people were saying there was anti-Jamal Lewis and they don't really see what he brings to the team. But... um. I, I I don't I don't mind him. I, I think he, like you say, I think he once he gets up to speed, I think he can offer a lot for this um, Valerie Ishmael side because he heavily relies on his fallbacks getting forward and um, supporting in attack. And uh, an interest, in, interesting fact or stat about Jamal Lewis as well: he's actually made the most tackles per game for Watford. And he makes 2.9 tackles per game for Watford. Um, And then the closest to him is Ryan Porteous, who makes 2.2 tackles per game. And then you've got Ngakia, 1.9 tackles a game. So he gets stuck in. And I think think it was um, one of the games the other day, Mike. I think it was... um, I want to say maybe the Sheffield Wednesday game at home. I think he made the most tackles as a defender in the championship, and then people is even slating him for that performance going on He's It's crap still, but his stats don't lie. Like, and he kept a clean sheet in that game as well. And I do think that he, he is a, a decent player. And like we say, once he gets more game times, we'll see him get confident, just like we've seen with Jeremy and Gakia, and then. He'll absolutely fly. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're both going to stick with the same starting lineup. But um, we've, we've done our um, teams, um, our um, score predictions, and we've also done our team lineups as well. But just to finish off the podcast now, um, we want to do the played for both. Um, so, we was we tend to do this game with everyone. Um, when they come on, they guess the players that have represented both teams. Um, so we're just going through now, and we'll, me and Mike will maybe just speak a very little about each person when they've represented Watford. So, Mike, when I say jo- Jonathan Hogg, what do you think
0: of? Doody! Brilliant player. Give 100% every time and cannot fault him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so these are players that have represented both Watford and Huddersfield. Obviously, Jonathan Hogg is a Huddersfield Town player at the moment and he's missing the game at the weekend due to one-game suspension. But, yeah, good memories of Jonathan Hogg. And, yeah, he's he's very remembered by um, that Deeney goal, was not it? Um, here's Hogg, Deeney. Next up, Tom Ince. Um He had a... a a stint at Huddersfield, didn't he, Mike? I think he was quite productive up there as well. So, mm. um, so obviously, wearing the yellow shirt of Watford now, um, so he's in the current squad. There's another player, Mike, who's a current player for Watford who have played for Huddersfield Town as well, and it's Ben Hamer. Um, do you remember him playing for Huddersfield?
0: Yeah, I think they signed him when Leicester got uh, Leicester released him on a on a free transfer um he played for them i'm just getting it here now he played from in 1819 and then 2021 20, season he made a total number of appearances were uh, 22 and he picked up two yellow cards in those 22 appearances um yeah joins Huddersfield from Leicester as a free agent in 2018 went out on loan to Derby and then he went to Swansea and then from Swansea he came to Watford. So, yeah, he didn't play a massive amount, but, um, yeah, the, I, I do remember him at Huddersfield.
1: And then Joseph Humbo. So, he went on loan from Watford to Huddersfield in January last year. He had a good good loan spell there, Mike, didn't he? He played a massive part in keeping them up in the division. I think he scored away at Cardiff. He scored a bang at home Houston, for him as well. Yeah, he scored an absolute banger and that's what he's got in his locker. But obviously Watford um, sold him on this summer to a German side. So um, he didn't really have that career at Watford, but he, he did a decent job at Huddersfield Town. Um, and then uh, the next photo is David Murphy. Mike, do you remember David Murphy? I think centre-back back in the day. Um,
0: I do indeed. Um, yeah, one of uh, one of my missus mates is a Scunthorpe fan and he... I think he joined us from Scunthorpe uh, and then he we loaned him back to Scunthorpe and he pretty much played the majority of his career at Scunthorpe. Um, he only made two appearances for Huddersfield uh, and only made four for Watford. And oh, wow. yeah, uh, I don't think he was the best. That kit, by the way, uh, I don't know if I've still got it. I think I have. That's one of my favourite Watford kits uh, massively underrated
1: I think this is um hole away isn't it and I think I went up to this game and I think it was a nil nil away to Hull so I went up for a, a long weekend in Hull mates had a uni place up there so went up on a Friday um uh, this was back in the day when I used to take a drum to Vicarage Road and we thought it was a good idea to take the drum up to Hull and um, so we took it all the way up to the Hull got to the ground and they wouldn't allow us into the ground with it because we didn't have a certificate or permission. So um, we had to find somewhere to stash it. And then, um, yeah, that, that's um, hole away. Shit hole. Um, <laughs> we lost, we but, lost
0: 3-2, Ben. I've just got it here now. We lost Oh, 3-2.
1: maybe. I, w- I went a different time and it wasn't this time in, in the white shirt. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I went when it was a nil
0: nil. um I went when we won 2-0 under Gianfranco Zola on a midweek Troy Deeney scored Saturday night out was all right in Hull
1: Um, yeah it gets lively Um, next guy who's represented both clubs he came through our academy Theo Robinson Um, I think he's just played in the lower leagues really hasn't he Mike he's never really kicked on championship level but he he had a stint at Huddersfield
0: yeah um, yeah Theo Robinson currently plying his trade at Brackley, uh, who I believe are National League North. And according to the Flash Score app, he's played twice and scored twice. Um, Made a total amount of appearances, uh, were eight for Huddersfield, and only made one senior appearance for Watford. But like you say, uh, played for Hereford, Millwall, Derby, Doncaster, Scunthorpe, Motherwell, Port Vale, Lincoln, Southend, Swindon, Colchester, Port Vale again. Bradford, Hartlepool, and now Brackley Town. So, yeah, 34 now, and I remember him as a kid. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Getting, getting on a bit.
1: <laughs> Next guy, Joe Garner. Um, he's had a string of EFL clubs as well, hasn't he, Mike? And I, I, I was in the selected few that's actually seen, the, I think, the only goal of in a Watford shirt as well um, for Joe Garner. I went away to Millwall um, and we were speaking about this earlier. I think it was the night we sold Marvin Sordell and he scored against um, Millwall. And uh, yeah, I couldn't believe my luck when I saw him score because he he wasn't very good. Um, But yeah, any memories of Joe Garner or his footballing career?
0: Um, no, not really. He's he's still at Carlisle. Um, he's still playing now. I think they're in League Two, I believe. Uh, League One, I stand correct. He was a fiery character, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I I tell you the only memory I've got of Joe Garner, uh, my best mate, say uh, Preston fan, and he scored an absolute screamer oh, yes. for um for for Preston. But I'm just looking now, and unless my App is incorrect. I don't think he made. Oh no, he did, mate. I, I, I was going to say I don't think he made a senior appearance for Huddersfield. He, he made sixteen appearances for Huddersfield, um, and he made twenty-four for us, and only scored the once, as you say, against Millwall. So, yeah, unfortunately, he did most of his scoring away from the Vic, uh, and he had, um, yeah, he, he had a loan spell out in Cyprus. For
1: Applewell in 2020. So that was a bit random as well. Yeah, he's, um, he, he's, it looks like he scored the most goals at Preston North End, wasn't it? And he it's actually went up to the SBL as well. He played for Rangers, didn't he? Um, he, looks like, um, he
0: looks like
1: Joe Swash. He does, Married doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he does. I think Joe Swash was better. Yeah. Um, next one. Um, another guy who's played his trade up in Scotland as well. Um, Lionel um, Ainsworth, um, tricky winger, very young when he came to Vicarage Road. Um, and, and he's obviously gone on and played for Motherwell, I think it was Mike, Hereford,
0: Shrewsbury, Rotherham, Clymer, Weymouth, Dulwich Hamlet, and Welling. Um, I think he was one of these that, um. He was one of these that we perhaps thought was going to be better than he was and sort of come through, but didn't quite work out for him. As you say, when, whenever I hear his name now, um, I, I automatically think of uh, of his stint at Motherwell. He, he made 13 yeah. appearances for us and he made 25 for, for Huddersfield. Um, he went on loan to Hereford from us and he scored three goals in seven games. And um, yeah, I think that may be... Tells you a bit more about his footballing abilities. Currently playing in the National League South at Aveley and they're semi-pro, so they're not even a fully professional side. So, uh, yeah, that that tells you everything you need to know, basically.
1: And um, I'm I'm getting like a, a bit of a impression that the players that have basically played for both clubs at the moment have not really gone on to have a, a decent career. It's all been like maybe non league or lower lower tier of the English football league. But the next guy who, has actually won a Premier League title and it's with Leicester City. It's Danny Drinkwater. So when he was on uh, Manchester United player, his first um, loan out from Old Trafford was actually to Huddersfield. He had 33 appearances. uh, And then in 2011, he came to Watford on loan as well and only made 12 appearances. Um, From what I remember, it wasn't a very light Footballer um, and lots of fans didn't really like him. Um, but he, he did all right with his career, went on to win the Premier League with Leicester and got a big money move to Chelsea. But he, he's recently retired, hasn't he, Mike? He's um, he's fallen out of love for the game, I think his quotes were this week. It, but he hasn't really found... Yeah, he, he's been out of contract for um, the last year and a half, I think, hasn't he?
0: He's only 33 as well. I remember seeing yeah. when Leicester got relegated obviously last season. Uh I saw an interview with him on Sky Sports basically saying, Well, yeah, you know, obviously if Leicester are interested, then then so am I. I thought, Fucking yeah, of course you are, mate. You're not you've you've just you've you've not had a new contract from Reading where you was you was at and Reading just got relegated, although he was on loan at Reading, I should say, sorry. But like Reading didn't want him back and yeah, I think he was trying to Sort of force the hand of a move, perhaps. But I, I, I know you said he wasn't very well lot I, I seem to remember, though, I think he had a half decent loan spell at Watford. I think the only real one that I remember standing out as really bad was Andros Townsend, because he got sent back to wherever it was he was on loan from. But yeah, he was—he's—he's um, he's not done as well as he perhaps wanted to. Bless him.
1: And then I'm gonna bypass the next one because I actually just had a quick look, Mike, and it says that he's never actually played for Huddersfield Town. (laughs) We had Jamie Hand down. Yeah, we had Jamie Hand down as a player that's played for both. But I've just had a quick look on Wikipedia, and (laughs) he's never actually played for Huddersfield. So we'll bypass that one very quickly. And then the last one that's played for both sides is that gentleman Mm -hmm. there holding that playoff winners' trophy above his head at Wembley, Robert Page. fantastic leader on and off the pitch is ended up being Wales manager, um, taking them to a the world cup. Um, and he's done very well for himself and it's great to see the success that he's had, but Mike, you might be a little bit too young for that, but do you have any, um, do you remember Rob Page or has your dad spoken about Rob Page?
0: No, I, I remember Rob Page. Um, he, he was, he's, I think his last season was my first season going to football. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, very vague memories. But look, I know how much of a legend he is. The only Watford captain to lift the trophy, I believe. Um, I might be wrong on that one. So yeah. don't shoot me down if that is the case. But Or lift the trophy at Wembley, I should say. Um, because the the most recent one before that was the playoff final at the Millennium Stadium. So, yeah, absolute legend. Um, did really sort of did well with Wales when he initially took over from gigs. I think they're maybe sort of tiring from it from his management at the moment. Someone I said before we got in, one of the previous managers we've had, I sort of said that I wouldn't mind seeing him in the Watford dugout, but sort of hindsight's a beautiful thing because I perhaps wouldn't now, but maybe in the not so distant future. Uh, who knows? But yeah, uh, Watford legends definitely.
1: Yep, so Asar played for both. Um, unfortunately, we didn't do it with our guest tonight because it was a no-show. But I think we've winged it, Mike, haven't we? With we've, we've had to think wrong, right. I think if we've presented an all-right one. It's been a bit. Um, it's been an interesting one. Uh, apologies for a phone call and running off to put a pizza in the oven. But yes, yeah, my missus has got a lot to answer for. Um, <laughs> she's home now. So I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll give her a telling off in a minute. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, before we we wrap it all up here, obviously Mike's got a. A, a run this weekend, a 10k run, um, which I, I want you to plug one last time to try and get your final push to get more um fundraising um done. Um donations even. Um mm. so Mike, do you want a uh, quick um talk about it? How's the training going? Was it your last um run today before the, the big one on Saturday?
0: Yeah, training complete now. Uh eight weeks I think it was I give myself a lot more time. The last couple of 10K runs, I've I've not sort of trained well enough for them and got them done, but very slowly and painfully. Whereas this time around, I feel a lot fitter. I, I don't know the final weight loss because I weigh in on a Friday. But at the moment, I'm 10 pounds down. I don't know how much it's going to be come Friday when I step on the scales. But yeah, I uh, did my final run tonight. The longest one of the training camp, I, I, I call it. Um, four and a half uh, just shy of four and a half miles felt good obviously the 10k uh for, for those that don't know is six miles so yeah um i i, I want to say a massive thank you again to do not scratch your eyes i went on their twitter space after the Millwall game and pete very kindly asked how it was going shared the link and i got a couple of donations which saw me over my target Um, The link has been, if you're watching on YouTube, the link is at the bottom and it's at the banner as well. Um, If you don't want to, if it's a bit clunky to type in, drop us a message on the Voices of the Vic account or on my personal account and I'll happily send it over. Um, A massive thank you to Pidge as well, who I know watches this. Uh, Pidge very kindly put the donation link on the TMA forum and he mentioned it on the, uh, the TMA podcast. As well so uh so massive thanks but yeah my target was 250 i'm now at 350 um donations can be made up to the run which is saturday it can be made after the run as well so anything you can spare whether it's one pound 10 pound a 100 pounds 10 grams 100 grand a £1 million whatever you want to donate is absolutely <laughs> fine and uh, yeah it goes towards research for those that are born with half a heart because at the moment only way to to sort of cure is the wrong word but the only way to to make it better is by um is by um having a heart transplant and as we all know the body doesn't always accept a new heart It, it might not accept it and unfortunately up to 600 children die of this every year so they're hoping to research doing getting the funds to research so there's a way to cure it without the need of a donor an organ donation and they do brilliant things they have a yearly charity ball in birmingham which is a brilliant brilliant night and yeah um a, a really a charity that's close close to uh, close to me it's my it was set up in aid of my best friend's sister so yeah um like I say if you've donated already massive thank you uh, and if you want to donate then i really really do appreciate it and i'll uh, i'll i'll try and give an update once i've uh, caught my breath when i finish on saturday and um, once i get into the pub with ice point i'll uh, i'll take a picture and everything and i'll give a little update on the channel no doubt but yeah um yeah that that that's it so training complete ready for the big day on saturday
1: fantastic what time's to run on saturday
0: uh, starts at 10am, so I should be finished. Well, uh, you know, 12 o'clock's the, the sort of the time that I'm... I don't think it will take me that long, but I'll hope to be in the pub with a nice cold pint in my hand at 12 o'clock on, on Saturday, get back to Lincoln, put my feet or order a Domino's or a Chinese or maybe all three uh, and <laughs> uh, and and watch the, the watford Huddersfield game and fingers crossed could get a nice win as well.
1: Fingers crossed. Let's hope so. Anyway, so yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, we've given our score predictions, our predicted lineup, a quick preview of the Huddersfield Town team, also a play for both. We've also done as well, and also plugged Mike's um 10k run Saturday. So yeah, thank you very much for watching tonight. Um, if you've liked the video, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button as well, and we will be back Sunday for a review of the Huddersfield Town game this weekend. Um, so uh, we'll see you then. Come on, you want.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.